G'day podcast listeners, I am back with another episode of the La Boogie podcast, this time with Matthew Lackey, I know a few of you out there have been harassing me to no end, when am I going to publish the Lackey podcast, when am I going to publish the Lackey podcast, well here is the Lackey podcast coming to you, took a little while, recorded back in winter, must have been about July, on the Gold Coast, on a cracking afternoon, uh, sat down with the man himself, absolute legend of the sport, really uh, took the Australian drop knee scene on its own journey, and uh, he really has a lasting legacy for the Jack Stance fiends amongst you. Uh, huge thanks to Lackey for sitting down, and a huge thanks to you, the listeners, for being so God damn patient. Here you go. Yeah, this looks really nice. This looks real nice. Let's see if we can get the right little... So is this, oh, is this actually videoed? Yeah, I do it video, oh, and then I... Oh, shit. That's all right, drink your Canadian club. I think the audio how, how's my through. How's my fucking wrinkles showing up? You're all right. You're, we'll have to get old at one point. Going for the weathered look. So am I. I think I'm pulling it off. At least you're not forced to go for the bald look. <laughs> I can't get rid of this shit. I don't know. I'd, I'd take a donation of 50. I reckon you could donate 50% of the hair on your head and I'm, you'd still have I'm, a full head of hair. I would. The fucking hair on my back. <laughs> Alright, so. But we're rolling now. What, we're oh, in. Okay, right, no. Why? What do you mean? And now I'm nervous. No, I'm not. Don't get nervous. nervous. No, no. All right. So, what's yeah, the, action. What's the? What are we? What are we? Uh, well, it's far, a, far away. Yeah, it's a podcast. Um, we're sitting here at what? Which beach is this? this Rainbow is, Bay. This is Rainbow Bay. Uh, it's a beautiful Tuesday afternoon. It is a really beautiful. It is an absolute cracker, actually. So, uh, uh, winter bliss. It is. Um, that tower. No one can see it, but it's just there in the distance. Is that your usual yeah, spot? So, so that's Tower 1, and um, uh, we get moved around, but majority of the time, through the holidays and all that kind of jazz, I'll be there at, at Tower 1. Tower 1. So, um, yeah. Is that like, lifeguarding's a thing up here in Queensland, way more than I know it as happening in New South Wales? I know they get it down at Bondi Way and the Sydney beaches and stuff, but there aren't that many paid... At least in my experience, I don't seem to see that many paid lifeguards up in that stretch between like Byron and Sydney. It seems to be yeah. a pretty light on job. Yeah, it's yeah. a big thing up here though. Nearly every beach has a tower with a paid lifeguard. In yeah, it, yeah, that's it? right. Yeah, it's a full um, professional lifeguard service up here. Yeah, and we're all year round. So yeah, it's it, full it, on. It eh? doesn't stop. Yeah, yeah. Is it like sitting there at that tower? I've had a chance. Like this is the first time in my life I've actually surfed out here. Yep. this year, and. I mean, do you ever have to do any gnarly rescues? Is there any, or is it just? Uh, it's a bit what, different. What's the vibe? Uh, down here, you're just getting a lot of fin cuts and, oh, okay. and and rock cuts and stuff. Whereas up towards surface, that's when you you know the rips are actually pulling people out. Ah. So it's it's a totally different. It's it's kind of one extreme to the other. But yeah, you down here, you're, you're dealing with like yeah cuts and high performance injuries. Yeah, kind of thing. You're not yeah. really you know there's never there's a sweep here. There's not a rip. Yeah. Up towards surface, as you know, 
rips that really rips and there's people on. who can't swim and it's tourists yeah. and it's just and you just you're on the edge of your seat the whole time oh really yeah yeah, yeah. Right. but uh down here it's it's um it's a bit of a different vibe yeah. um but you do get a lot of fin cuts rock cuts and yeah. you know the odd the old heart attack just thrown in the mix oh just a heart attack thrown yeah in. just a mild heart attack yeah. <laughs> yeah it all happens have you had to ever like really perform any life-saving um, have you ha- have you been oh, in a yeah. situation for yeah, real yeah. life saving and yeah for sure yeah is um, it gnarly? Uh, like how do you process it? Uh, it's a bit weird. It's um, it, it's really strange. Like because I don't know the person, you're kind of just doing your thing. Mm. Um, so you're giving them every chance uh, that they've got mm. and some. Mm. You know, you get the defib on them, that kicks them. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. But it's I um, I, it doesn't. It's really strange. It doesn't affect me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, so you've lost people. You've, yeah. you've applied um, first aid and lost people. Yeah, yeah, definitely had a bloke here at at, uh, at Snapper. He had uh, must have had a heart attack in the water. Yeah, right. And uh, pulled him out. And uh, yeah, we had no. Actually, we got him back, but um, he went to hospital later, and he was just on life support. And oh, the family. Okay. He was an older bloke, so the family uh, kind of determined that. Oh. Uh, yeah. He was. Uh, he, he'd had a good run, and uh, yeah, and but you know, to be honest, yeah, he looked quite right. peaceful. Yeah, he, he died doing what he loved. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't really affect me. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I mean, it must be full. Of, I just did first aid. Uh, I did a first aid course the other day, and it's, you know, putting you through the motions of like, putting the defib on, like you know, apply, you know, CPR, and it's like it is this kind of regimented thing, right? Once you're in that moment, you just do your job. Yeah, that's right. It's it's kind of strange. It's you know you do all the training and all that jazz, but until you're actually doing it, it's, it's mm. a bit of a different kettle of fish. But it's I try to take away from what the ambos do, mm. and you see when they rock up, they rock up with a really relaxed approach. They mm. never run. Mm. They never they never create panic. So you just rock up, you know, you just relax, a couple of deep breaths, yeah. and and you just get into it, yeah, and, right. and that's it. And then you know, a couple uh, some things that kind of shit you sometimes is the the public. Yeah. You know, like this one we had here at Rainbow. Mm. You know, you're sitting there, everyone's doing compressions and all this jazz, and then you look over your shoulder and someone's got their phone out filming yeah, this shit. Yeah, get lost. You know, like, it's just not the time Someone's place. dying on the ground, Yeah, mate. I know. So that's pretty yeah, yeah. It's pretty wild, but that's just humans, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. funny. It reminds me of, like, a Seinfeld episode. I think it was the last ever Seinfeld episode, and they went to jail for filming someone being robbed in the streets and they were laughing and filming at the same time yeah 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 it's like that was way that was like in the late 90s that that episode came out and now that's like a real thing where it's like people do just film drama yeah yeah, that's right and it's like a thing yeah especially when someone's like it's a bit you know filming a bit of drama is pretty funny but when something like that's going on it's a bit bit different someone's dying yeah 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 wrap it up yeah just cut it right there um you've been doing it a long time though hey how long have you been a lifeguard for now uh so I think it's coming up 12 years Twelve years. Um, yeah. So, Shit. yeah. So I obviously the bodyboarding was. Um, I knew that it wasn't gonna last forever, mm. and uh, and yeah. So I thought, what's the next best thing? And um, yeah. So so I kind of got my foot in the door, started mm. doing it, and it's a really good job because at that stage you could do a few shifts here and there. You could travel. You yeah, could still. Yeah. It was really lenient, so you could. It was no drama, and it really suited. Um, still being able to bodyboard and travel and do all mm. that jazz, mm. and then still have this coming in, and then and then slowly but surely, I just kind of pulled focus on lifeguarding, and and here we are. Yeah. Oh, so you've like, when do you think you've kind of consciously really 
when you say pull focus, you've really put more, you're getting more shifts, like you're a full-time lifeguard. Well, yeah, so... Like, when did that kind of happen? Oh, maybe probably like five years ago. Mm. Um, uh, so I'm still a casual lifeguard, but up here you get a seasonal roster. So they okay. give you the roster and then you're locked in because lifeguarding up here, it's such a, you know, no one leaves. The permanent blokes don't leave. Yeah. So a permanent position is rare as hens do. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. But um, the seasonal roster is the next best thing, and yeah. Um, and yeah. Okay. So you're just locked in for the season, and a, and it's like a summer winter thing. Yeah, it's all year, it's, but it's really good. It's um in winter, you go onto this roster called um, uh, one month on, one month off. So you get the chance on your month off to go travel to do whatever you want. Oh. So they just, but if you want to hang around and work, there's work for you, oh, you know. Right. And then when your months on, you're locked into your shifts, you know. So it's so really right. good. So when it comes to kind of, because you know, you're still sponsored, and, and I wanted to, of course, we're gonna start talking about bodyboarding, not just lifeguarding yeah, the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's something that, um, with the type of sponsorship that I'm, um, I guess you have, like, it's a free surfing sponsorship. You know, yes. there's no competitions really. Like, I don't even know whether you ever paid much attention to competitions, but. You can just book in a trip somewhere and have it in that month. No, no, you exactly. You can say, I'm going to the Philippines for this month and it works. Exactly. That's yeah. the benefit of it. And, so and, good. And plus, they're pretty, they're, they're a really good bunch of guys. Like, they're super relaxed. If I really want it, hey guys, I've got to go away, I've got to yeah. do this, it's no drama. So, it's, yeah, yeah right. it's really good. That's really cool. I mean, coming back to the, let's talk about bodyboarding finally. Like, I mean, I was out here the other day and I mean, and I think a lot of people would notice, but you've been. You, you prone a bit around these parts, don't you? There's a bit <laughs> no, of prone. I only prone, I only prone when it's like flat bottom, yeah, okay. um, below sea level, a little marley and snapper. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's rare as hen's teeth. Yeah. So when it does, I just love getting barreled. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even, I don't even think about dropping when it's like that. Just because, I, I don't know what it is, but I just, I just love getting barreled. But it's a great barrel. Like, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, there. it's like a 20-second oh, knuckle-grinding no. oh, no. pit below no. sea level. It's just oh, so no. it's just so fun. Mm. And, and you know, you just find your oldest, most flexiest thing and just get on it and just get Lock barreled. And, and that's what I... Yeah, I just love it. I was talking to Mitch today. I did a podcast with him earlier. It come out around the same time as this one. Um, just talking about the, the culture or the vibe out at Snapper Rocks in particular, like a lot of people see, you know, you can see those classic images of this place where there's literally 500 plus bodies from, you know, Kira to here. How do you find your place out there? Like, how do you process that crowd and get what you want out of it? Cause I noticed that like Mitch is sitting at the top of the pack, you you get out there, you're at the top of the pack, you know, there isn't like this, you're not sniffing around in the middle, you're actually out there with the big guns. Yeah. How does that all work for you? Like, how did you find your way to that position and how do you kind of deal with the crowd out here? Uh, so, first and foremost, you need the banks to be heavy enough to warrant bodyboarding out there. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, if the sand's right and it's going thick and heavy, um, you kind of find your place. And then when it comes to like me and Mitch or whatever, you know, we've grown up here. We we know everyone. We know the surfers. Yeah. We're not 
we don't hassle. We're not a bunch of wankers out there. Yeah. You know, so we keep a low profile. You know, yeah. we keep a head down. You know, the moment a lot of a lot of bodyboarders start coming out there, it's a bit like oh fucking. They're starting to notice. <laughs> they're starting to notice. Just like hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we, we try to run it. Starting to notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they um, we try to run a pretty tight ship out the front, <laughs> and. Um, we get away with it. We we yeah. just get away with it. And, uh, <laughs> by the skin of your teeth. But yeah, by the skin of our teeth. But yeah. it's it's good because you know when the when the bank's right and it's really heavy, mm. then they're they're more than happy to just go, hey, go, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as you get down the line, that's when it's a shit fight and it's just fend for yourself, Fully. you know. Um, yeah, there's no such thing as like I live here at Rainbow, but there's there's it doesn't matter. It, it's just a, <laughs> it's just a shit fight. You it know? is a. Eh? And what I found was, like, at the point where you take off behind the rock, like, there is this, like, there's an order out there and there's this kind of a great vibe out there. But as soon as you get in that barrel behind the rock and then you're coming into that zone where there's all the punters who are just out there and, like, you know, these nameless faces, that's when the burning happens. It doesn't happen on the takeoff so much. Like, it's like... You know, Mick Fanning will look at you and go, yeah, go lucky. Or, yeah. you know, there's this respect and there's, like, people having a yarn out there and all the other locals, I don't even know their names, but everybody's having a good old yarn and taking turns almost. Yeah, no, that's how it is. It's yeah. everyone knows. It's a great vibe on the takeoff. It is, it is. Mm. It's uh, it's um, because that's exactly it. You don't have to deal with the bullshit that's, oh, out, no, that you're, no. that's down the line. But down the line, it's coming. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> coming, but you know it's coming and it, it, you just take it with a grain of salt, yeah. you know. Because the, the thing that I found was back in the day someone to burn you and you'd be kind of pissed off thinking they're burning me because I'm a bodyboarder but yeah. no they're just burning you because they <laughs> it doesn't matter who it was oh, no. they just want to burn you oh, no. yeah nobody's safe yeah hey. like like when I ride a surfboard out here like yeah. you just get burnt doesn't matter I found matter. it even harder on a surfboard myself out here I felt I got better waves on a bodyboard out there than I did on the surfboard for sure yeah for yeah. sure like it's a it's a crazy crazy wave I mean was it for you did you grow up here yeah, so is I, this home? Yeah, yeah. So I, I spent a lot of time down in Fingal. Yeah. So yeah, so I used to spend a lot of time in Fingal. I pretty much grew up there, mm. um, and uh, and always wanted to surf Deba. Yeah, sure. And so um, was always coming across to Deba, and then I kind of finally made the move into basically Coolangatta, you know. Uh-huh. And then I was just kind of like here, Chugan, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then um, and then. And then, yeah, just bought a place here and that's it. Uh, in, g- in go the, to the grave. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's not a bad spot to go to the grave. Yeah. Maybe you can have a heart attack out there one day. Ah, <laughs> shit. And then, and then lifeguards can do their best yeah, and just yeah. drift off. Um, the When it came to your decision to... Oh, well, was it a decision to drop knee? Or was it just what was right from the very beginning for you? Like when it came to your early days of bodyboarding? Uh, I used to, I started off prone like everyone. And then yeah. but back in the day, it was a lot different. Like, yeah. like you know, like drop knee was looked at totally differently. It was like cool, you know. You yeah, had, you heaps had, cooler than prone. Oh, yeah. Mm. And But everyone used to do both. Yes. And, and then you had guys like, um, you had Roach. Yep. And he was, uh, um, obviously he was on Momentum. Yeah. That surf, surf video, Taylor Steele's Momentum. And that was huge. So that was like... I was like, holy shit, you know, he's getting respect yeah. from surfers. He's it's sure. like the whole nine yards. Yeah. So that was so that was um Yeah, but uh also a big influence for me was um a guy called Dorian Mills. 
So Dorian I grew up, Mills. yeah, okay. I grew up in Fingal. This guy called Dorian Mills. He was a goofy footer, and he, he actually was riding for Moray and Rip Curl at the oh, time. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Legit. He, yeah, yeah. He was like, um, he he blew his knee out, but he was really good, and he was like the idol around town. Oh. And I and even the sur- all the surf, I kind of grew up with surfers when I was younger at yeah, Fingal. You know, yeah. all my mates were surfers, and um, so anyway, that's kind of how I started drop knee, and I think I started on a BZT10. Yeah, right. Um, and I started on that, and uh, I just started doing it, and and then I was like, yeah, I kind of just started from there. And then I, I actually remember Mez was doing custom boards, and one of my mates, Simon Ormerod, he, yep. he got a Mez, and uh, and you could choose. It was the first time you could. The nose. You know, you could yeah, fill yeah, it. Was yeah, in fill in the card, yeah. You get the page out of Riptide and fill it in, and just hope for the best. I remember that. Yeah. Very so, well. so that's what I did. And yeah. um, anyway, I had to commit. I was like, yeah. "Am I going to go a full to- full on drop knee board?" Yeah, and right. I went, "That's it. I'm doing it." And I did. And I just got this full on round nose thing. That's and, hilarious. And it was um, it was old school Dow, and it was it oh. was amazing. And that that's probably where it. Really was, was really this was a commitment stone. right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's funny. How old were you when you bought that Mez, do you reckon? Oh, shit. I, man, I'm so bad with that stuff. But you must have been like 14. Yeah, probably. Ish. Probably right? around 14. when were you sponsored? You know, your first sponsors kind of came along late teens, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, it would have been around then. So, yeah. you've made the call. You've gone like... I'm, and this was pretty revolutionary. Like, it, it was actually revolutionary at the time for bodybuilding because before those Mez cards in the riptide you couldn't order a cust there wasn't really a thing called custom boards no. for the mainstream was there like- no 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 there was those manta lethal customs but i mean yeah the right. mantas mantas were just like you know <laughs> they were like a piece of wood they were they were horrendous yeah like, that's just my opinion yeah that's but fair. um it's a, po- uh, it's a podcast and, but, but mez, yeah 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 heavy-handed opinions but mez was making the good stuff with he the was, best yeah. material it was just yeah. hands down and I remember, um, yeah. So that was that's it. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. So you get this, you get this custom drop knee board. You were riding. You said you started off on a Ben T10, a BZT10, which, you know, going off the latest um, auctioning uh, value, it's probably yeah. worth a lot of money. That T10. I got no idea where that thing <laughs> went. I'd love to. I'd love to find. Love to hold that one. Yeah. But um, but so you've you've gone from this kind of like. BZ board was that was Ben Severson an influence at um, that time? Like you were at, looking at his approach yeah, and all that kind of shit. Ben Severson to me was like everyone loves Stuart, and obviously you love Stuart. But to me, Ben Severson was like I just used to chase high tide shore breaks and just try and really? do like Sevo stalls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was chasing when That's I was, you know, funny. just I was just a prone grub, yeah. just just looking for thick shore breaks. And we never had shore breaks around here. <laughs> we just didn't have. We never had froggies back then because nah. the sand wasn't there. Yeah. And uh, so. You know, you just wait for your high tide and find a slabbing shore break, and you pretend you're Kai Santos or <laughs> or or um, Ben Severson. You're and showing your age so yeah, much you, in this podcast. Yeah, right I there. love it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so so that's who you wanted to be. That's who I wanted to be when I was yeah. growing up. I just love that they were chasing slabs. So Ben Severson, like legit, that that is actually legit idol. As a kid, that's who you oh, were looking at. You're like, that's yeah. actually my guy. Yeah, that's when I was when I was real young. It was like Ben yeah, Severson wow. and, and those guys. But cool. then, um, and then obviously Roach came into the picture, and mm. yeah, that, yeah, he was just fucking. Because there was a long time where you, in the early days when you were kind of rising up, and I, I was there, so I remember this. Um, you, there was a lot of comparisons between you and Roach with the style and 
you know, there were these comparisons. Yeah, that's to me, that's ridiculous. It's, sure, that's a to, nice thing for you to say. No, no, but it's like that's just me being. I'm a bit of a straight shooter, and I okay. like to. I like to really what I what I really think. Yeah, mate, Roach is on such a fucking different level than anybody. Okay. It doesn't matter. Like, uh, you know, Dave Hub. Yeah, he's good. Um, Kainawa, big waves, different, a different kind of element. Yeah, the the closest I could say would be Acker. Yeah, Acker and Acker and Roach, but to me, Roach was a complete package. He was he was like, and for people to, um, uh, like, compare me to him, it just wasn't realistic. Like, okay. yeah, okay, that's a compliment or whatever, and and maybe as I grew older, I found my own kind of thing. Yeah. But but to me, and it's true. It's 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 really true. Like fucking Roach is like in a total league of his own. Mm. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's what he's really fast too. I, I think, like when you see him, he's got a twitchiness about his drop knee, which just had so much power that nobody else was doing at the time. Yeah, either. yeah, he's he's just a freak. Mm. Like he's the real deal, mm. you know. Yeah, so, yeah, and and like I used to always see that, like, and I'd kind of cringe when people did that because I'm like, fuck. But it's true. It there's no comparison. Mm. He's just that much fucking. He's just. He's just. He's like one of those freaks, like a Slater or a Michael yeah. Jordan or whatever. Yeah. He really is like a Stewart. Yeah. He's just. He. He's just so much fucking better than the rest. Yeah. And that's not even me just being nice. That's well, fucking real. Yeah, it's real. It's fully real. Like, I mean, how do you think? Because um, this kind of comes into like a lot of the people maybe listening to this. Like, some people listening to this probably may not even have watched much. Paul Roach you know the generations change over time and there's not that much of him coming out that's fresh yep um I mean it's pretty obvious that the sport of bodyboarding has changed dramatically throughout your career right you know you came in when there was magazines that you could get covers of um sponsors that would give you money if you got a a photo in one of them yeah which is just the wildest thing to ever think was real yeah um you know what how Where's drop knee at for you? What's your take on the situation of, of drop knee as a as a kind of approach to bodyboarding? Like, there's a fine How line. does it stay relevant, or is it still relevant? You know, in the well, in the uh, it's it's definitely still relevant because I think you know everyone. I think Roach raised that bar so high. It's like mm. you know people are yeah. Pe- uh, it's it's um I kind of switched off to a lot of um you know fucking DK's dead or whatever I was always just running my own show kind of thing so I never really bought into that kind of side of it Mm. Um, but uh, yeah fuck I'm losing track of my mind here that's alright like I mean you didn't buy into this whole DK's dead because you just kept on running your own race but I mean there's this kind of there's a lot of people out there looking at like they kind of oh, a lot of them blame yeah. the competition scene, you know, like that there well, was this focus on prone and it just like killed Dropney. Yeah, no, man. To me, Dropney, Dropney and contests are fucking just do not mix. <laughs> they just because you're forcing in yeah. a contest, in a in a contest. This doesn't go for prone so much, but in in Dropney, you're forcing shit to yeah. get scores, and it's fucking horrendous. Mm. Dropney, you run a fine line. Mm. You either can fucking do it or you can't. There's, <laughs> it's just you want fucking reality. I'll give it to you. There's, it's a fine line. There's a lot Great. of guys who, yeah, they can Dropney, but it it just fucking it it ain't it ain't fucking happening. Yeah. So it is a really fine line. So that's why. Um, 
you know, when guys look at Roach and guys look at those guys who are doing things right mm. and are just speed connected, making it look functional, mm. then fuck, it's amazing. Mm. But as soon as it's fucking not looking functional, so there's, there's a it's rash a, vest on it. It's, and 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 particularly when it comes to a contest, unless it's pumping waves, fully. Um, it's going to look fucking horrendous. Mm. It just does. I cringe when I watch some of that shit. Yeah, right. That's pretty damning. Like, you reckon? Well, no, it's just really cool to hear that coming from you, someone who's got the respect of the world on the knee, um, to see that you're... Because some people might have wondered why you didn't chase any of those titles or try to I compete chase, against those guys. I didn't chase... Uh, I've never been competitive. I've, I kind of always... I kind of... I've thought about this a bit into myself mm. <laughs> is um, I'm not a competitive person as in contest competitive mm. I couldn't give a rat's ass I, I really couldn't it shows because I never I never um, really competed mm. but um, I was always competitive in myself and probably competitive against other guys like Mason and Dave Harb and those kind mm. of guys um, I probably never showed it but I, you know if I saw a good shot of Mason I was like fuck I want to get you know, I want to get that. And, yeah. But that was really cool. That when I look back at it now, it's it was really cool to have that um, a sort of rivalry to to uh, push you yeah. and and make you go and do shit yeah. or make you take off on that wave or, yeah. or fucking whatever to try to um, you know this 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 rivalry a friendly rivalry against these guys. You know. Mm. How did you in on that then? Because this is kind of like a, it's an interesting topic of conversation. I think in when you're being competitive in a free surfing sense what is it that you're working on to to better the other guy or to respond to his you know performance so you see mason do something awesome it's a good shot or it's a good or you see him on a trip and you're there surfing in the water with him are you analyzing like were you analyzing your style and going like what's my arm doing there was that the kind of focus that you had or yeah, you, I was, yeah how I, did you approach that uh, I was so to approach my I guess competitiveness mm. uh, in the water I guess a good example might have been off the wall in Hawaii yeah. where Mason always me and Mason used to kind of surf together uh-huh. and you'd have you know back in the day it was different you know yeah. you went to Hawaii and there was like 10 photogs on the beach and Holy. You, that's, that's what you were that's doing. That's what you're there for. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, you know, it was just competitive. You just wanted to get the be- a better wave than Mason or, or <laughs> I just wanted to just get more tail hanging out or, yeah. or whatever, just get a better shot, you know. And if I seen him do something good, it kind of, it just pushed me, you know. It yeah. wasn't like a negative, yeah. but it, it, it definitely pushed me, you know. Yeah. Right. Would you say Mason was your main kind of rival then in the Australian scene? In, like the, it, in the Australian scene, for sure. Yeah. Ballard was a bit... Um, Ballard was like a... Um, I looked up to Ballard. Mm. Um, I never did trips. Actually, I did one trip with him, but um, but not like that. Not like Mason. Mason was like, a, I guess, like a, a rival. Mason was complete opposite of me. You know, yeah. he'd go down the beach and he'd be doing fucking handstands in front Break of the cameras and yeah. he loved the attention, yeah. you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I was fucking totally opposite of that. Like, you know, I just, yeah, pretty funny, but yeah. What's your best, um, what, if you can pinpoint something, cause it's been a long, like I'm, I realized cause I saw that the Nomad boys, um, you know, they, they've, they're celebrating 20 years of being a brand this year and it's pretty wild because was that one of your first sponsors? And what it means is you've been doing this for over 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's you pretty, know you're, like, yeah. you're you've been around a while. Yeah, you know, <laughs> got some yeah some, <laughs> lo- some long service leave. Wrapped <laughs> exactly. Up. No, so so how it all 
so how kind of how Nomad came into the scene was yeah. uh, I was um, so I'll run it through real quick. So I got take a, your time. It's a story. Yeah. So I um, so getting back to Dropney, Crawley was on the coast, Michael Crawley, yep. and he was riding with Quicksilver. And in back in the day, Quicksilver was kind of like the you know, you if you could ride, for, you're on that quick team. Yeah. They were doing custom boards. It was like it's the, pretty sick for a moment there. The amazing thing, right? Yeah. So, anyway, I went down to Sydney to Dave Appleby to have an interview. He said, "Yep, we're going to sponsor you." I had Strowy ring me, who was bringing no friends to Australia, and that oh. was actually a huge big deal. Yeah. And I actually turned, and and they were going to sponsor two guys, Sean Virtue and me, and um and that was like a huge thing. But I'd always kind of dreamt of getting on Quicksilver, right. so I turned Strowy down. And then about two weeks later, Quicksilver fucking uh, dropped all their team, right. and I never saw the light of day, so I come crawling back to Strowy. <laughs> and, um, and he actually, uh, he'd given it to Joel Taylor. Oh. And so my spot had gone, or Nelson Ross, Nelson Ross or Joel yeah, Taylor. Actually, yeah. And my spot had gone, and anyway, he put me on Fu Manchu. But anyway, so then, Element of P came into the scene, yeah. and Element of P was an American brand. Back in the day, it was always like the, the big thing to get, you know, um, on a US uh, label, I yeah. guess. And it was me and Virtue. And so it was a cool brand at the time. It was. It really, yeah, yeah. It really they had nailed the, it. They had the best guys, you yeah. know. So to, to be selected in Australia, me and Virtue, I was like, okay, shit, that's pretty good. Yeah. And um, so that was really good, and that all kicked off, and, um, and then... Billabong came onto the scene, and that really helped out. So then I was riding for Billabong and Element of P. Um, and then things started going pear-shaped a little bit with Element of P, um, just with uh, just money and stuff mm. was coming up. And I kind of got on my high horse, and okay. and, uh, and I thought I was more valuable. I kind of took a stand. I was like, you know what? If you, you know, I feel I'm more valuable than that. Um, Actually, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember. We went on a Riptide. It was my very first Riptide experiment trip. All right. And they said to me, Riptide turned around and said, "Yep, we got you on this trip. It's going to cost six grand." And back in that day, I'm like six thousand dollars. <laughs> Never seen that in my life. I'm like, how am I going to? But I'm like, I got to do this. Of course, you got it. Yeah, so I got to do it. And then every, I looked around, and everyone else's sponsors were paying for it. Except for me. Because it's worth it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, except for me. And yeah. I was like, fuck, why can't I fucking... Yeah. You know, so I remember I fucking almost cried <laughs> because I couldn't... I didn't think I was going to go on the trip. And I yeah. can't remember what the fuck happened. But I pretty much was going to rub off my fucking logos on the board yeah. for Element of P. Getting... But but let me just say, Nels and those guys who ran our biggest legends ever, it wasn't really with Nels. It was... I can't remember who it was with, but fucking... Anyway... Things were going pear-shaped. I was going to rub the logos off. Anyway, after that trip, when I got back, I was still under contract, so I rode for him. When I got back, I took a stand, and that was it. I wasn't riding for him, right? Mm. And then I get this phone call, and it's Shane from um, from Nomad. Mm. And they were only doing clothes at the time. Yeah. And they said, oh, hey, look, we um, we got your number off, I think, Mick Parkhill, and um, we'd like to offer you a contract. And, um, and I was... Um, yeah, I just took a chance. I just thought, uh, yeah, what, he sounded, you know what Shane's like. He yeah. sell Icy the Eskimos on the phone. <laughs> so he just pretty much sold me into it. Yeah. And yeah, what, 20 years later, we're, st- we're still kicking. Yeah, it's and really cool. It's really cool. I mean, I was there at the beginning as well. Yeah, that's I mean, right. That, you were the I think original. It was you and I. Yeah. Like, I was, I was only there a couple of months before you. And, and yeah, like, I think, it was, I think it's just really cool to look back and go, like, shit, these guys actually 
they bloody they did pull it off. Like no, I mean, they, they it, did. It was such a humble start. Man, this is the one thing I always see is you always see on um, you know Facebook or websites or whatever mm. they say you know support bodyboard companies and. Man, you look at you look at Shane and Mark. They got photos of them at the the Mike Stewart um, yeah. coaching clinics. Yeah. Like they they were like us. Yeah. They were like bodyboarders yeah. who went. You know what? Let's create a brand. You know, they're no fat cats behind some. You know, who were just trying to dip their money in. Yeah, they're the real deal. They're yeah. actually bodyboarders who who created it. And I take my hat off to that. Yeah. And uh, you know, they don't. They probably don't know it. But even if even if. Uh, I wasn't getting paid. I'd just ride their boards just because we've had 20 years together. It's a long and, time. And, you know, fucking, what am I going to ride now? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so. It's getting to a point, isn't it? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, well, I will just stick around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to fucking surf anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Probably to, could have, you know, 15 years ago. What, what's anyway. the, I mean, it, it may seem like a bit of a silly question now because to me, I, I feel like bodyboarding's in this very strange place, but... What's your advice to a young person looking at, like, getting into this sport and showing, like, they're, they're getting their first sponsors and all that kind of stuff? Like, how do you maintain a 20-year relationship with a sponsor? Oh, communication for sure. Okay. Um, you know, me and Shane and Mark, we're at the point where, um, you know, like, we've had some classic moments of contract time where they fucking, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought I was worth this and they were, they slammed down the phone and they hung up on me and, and I said, and, and, you know, a day later they ring back and, like, it just heated personal shit yeah. gets said. Yeah. It's pretty funny. But we're on that relationship. And if you can create that, um, you know, over time you'll create that relationship with these, with your, your sponsor mm. and then you, you can find the happy mediums, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's been good with us is um, we've been able to find the happy mediums over the years, uh, give give and take a, a, a little here and there. They've been super lenient with me because you know I'm pretty, you know, these days pretty lazy just surfing D bar. But um, yeah, and it's uh, kind of where it all started. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so that's what I tell them. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but they they're super mellow. Is there a push for you to do more international? Tra- I mean, it's a bit of a silly question as well. Now we're in the middle of a pandemic where nobody's traveling. No, there's anymore. a massive, there's a massive push. Um, uh, but it's it's weird as you get older. I used to look at. I remember when I was young and do these trips, and they're like, "Oh no, Roach can't come because he, he doesn't want to travel, or Aka doesn't like traveling." And yeah. I'm thinking, how the hell does someone not want to travel? <laughs> I know, I know. But I've kind of got to that place where it's yeah. like I'm just more than happy to just kick back yeah. at home and. And just surf around home and and relax, you know. So is it? Do you say, like you're obviously still sponsored by Nomad and and you're still rep- representing them? What do you not? Is bodyboarding to you now just this kind of fun thing that you do in between your real job now? Uh, yes and no. Not not really. Work. My my job lifeguarding is kind of you know you just go that's the bread and butter on the table yeah and bodyboarding's always like i'll be bodyboarding every day you yeah know? like it's weird yeah i don't know if i answered that right but um is it a profession it's not a profession anymore for you it was for a while though wasn't it no not really not 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 really um i mean was there a moment where it was a profession you'd say oh that well you're getting paid yeah you get billabong pa- moment probably yeah 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 that, yeah ex- exactly yeah you're getting paid big dollars and and um and so that's i guess what where you would say it's professional mm. um but yeah nowadays i'm just i'm just cruising yeah 
Was it hard? Was it was it a challenge in that transition from? Because like I'm assuming you were actually earning some pretty good money when you had the Billabong deal. You had these other sponsors, board models. You know, like there would have been some decent money coming in, and you're free surfing, so you're not really obliged to do all those competition, all that bullshit that other people went and spent heaps of money on with not many returns in yep. terms of photos and magazines and whatnot. I mean when it came to you pulling focus towards being a lifeguard was it hard to not be the professional bodyboarder anymore was there any kind of crisis about you know oh damn i'm not that guy anymore now i've got to be this guy no not really because i've never thought i was that that guy you know what i mean i've just i've one thing throughout my bodyboarding career is like one thing that was pretty humbling back in the day this is how i kind of look at things Mm. my dad my dad uh, was a carpenter mm. and he, I remember wanting to go to Hawaii and he said, well, if you want to go, you've got to earn your keep, you've got to do it yourself. So he put me on a job site stacking bricks and that was one of the best things that could have ever happened to me because I learned the value of money. Mm. So then all of a sudden, we're, I'm getting sent around the world on these trips for free and it's just fucking amazing. And yeah. I, I never, I ne- that was one thing I always, to this day, I always look back on and thought to myself, I never, um, I never bitched or moaned or mm. took it for granted. Is mm. what I'm saying. Mm. Man, I've been on trips with people who just fucking bitch and moan, mm. and you're sitting there going, "You were getting paid for this? Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? I yeah. just never got that. Yeah. I never got that side of it. And uh, so I never ever took it for granted. I was always super humbled to, like, I used to just think, "Shit, I get, um, you know, I'm getting paid to, to surf, to do something <laughs> yeah, I was going to do anyway. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So and uh, obviously. Um, you know, sports change and all that kind of jazz, and I really hope that guys can still achieve that. Mm. You know, but um, but yeah, it's uh, but yeah, I never, I it, there was never a, a um, because lifeguarding, you're at the beach, so you know, maybe yeah. if I was locked in an office, then it would be this. It this, might have been more dramatic. More dramatic, like yeah. oh my god, get me out of here! But yeah, you, yeah. but you know, like I'm surfing on my lunch break, I'm fully, I'm watching waves, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. No, but it's a good thing. I mean, today, you know, obviously you're still getting those sessions out there. When the world does come back to normal, you do you think you'll still you'll get back on a few of those kind of photo video trips with Nomad? Is that kind of the plan when life yeah, gets no, back to normal? No, 100%. Yeah, I definitely, I've, I've kind of fine-tuned um, uh, where I love to go. I like to go to places I know I'm going to score. I so is that why the Philippines seems to be your go-to? Is that exactly. it? Exactly. I've the never maps. been. It looks oh fucking amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, um, you know, you just watch the maps um, and then off you go. And it's just okay. paradise. You know, you just dump your bags. The waves are there. You know, I'll have like two weeks and I just surf my ass off. Surf, eat, sleep. That's all I do. Don't even talk to me. That's all I'm there for. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. And, and you're uh, having a ball. And having a having a ball. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I'm I can't wait. I'd love to go back to South Oz. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, down there. I really love it down there. It's funny, that's a tough trip to pull off at the moment too. Like yeah, it's yeah. just wild, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. you can't even go there for a surf trip right now. Yeah, I know. So it's um mm. yeah it's all it's all up in the air at this stage. Mm. Okay, so South Oz, Philos Anywhere, is there anywhere that you've never been that you've kind of always looked at and you've gone like, fuck, I wouldn't mind getting there just once? Um, a point break where you can really just slash it up or any anything, any wave out there that you've looked at? Uh, maybe Pea Pass or, oh, yeah. you know, places like that in the Pacific. Um, there's that there's that right-hander in Tahiti. Yep. I'd like to go back to Tahiti. Um, oh, yeah? Just more so because of joints of paradise, and you yeah. know, give me give me four to six foot chopu, nothing too serious. Yeah. And um, 
That's getting pretty serious. Oh, yeah, six footies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I might tone that down a notch. But, um, but it's, you know, it is an absolute paradise. It is. Yeah, I just like easy things in life now. <laughs> Warm water, yeah. board shorts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Would you rate, like, yeah, I'm just now I'm realising that, that how many, you've been to the Philippines quite a few times, haven't you? Yeah. Or is it, is that maybe one of the most dominant places you visited in your in the recent in, in, in recent, recent time in recent eh? years i used to go to mexico a lot oh yeah i'd love to go back to mexico yeah. um just for a um like a nostalgic thing yeah i yeah. guess is go back to mexico because i haven't been in a long time yeah um but yeah philippines is philippines is kind of like the, the easy trip you know yeah you recommend it to people? Like, I mean, you probably won't because you probably don't want it to get too crowded, but it doesn't seem to get too wild there, does it? Like, it's pretty manageable, the crowd? Uh, it depends. It's kind of... You kind of almost want to have it where it's, like, washing through a tad uh-huh. because that um, that culls everyone. And then, and yeah, it's not as perfect, but you kind of wait through the sets, wait through uh-huh. the sets, and then, then the good ones will come. Because if it's, like, four-foot perfection, it's crowded. It's, oh, a, right. it's a nightmare. But... Every time I've been there, I've kind of lucked into where a local contest will be up north or whatever. Yeah. And um, and yeah, we've just been lucky, so I haven't um, I haven't really experienced the horror that I hear it can be. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because there's a lot of I'm, I'm assuming like Tahiti, which I've I haven't been back there in many many years, but like there's a local crew there of riders. Like I heard Tahiti's basically like a local spot now. Chopu, it's locals who are dominating it at all sizes yes. and it wasn't like that when I was there 15 years ago now shit but like has the Philippines had that transition as well where the local riders have kind of all gotten better over time oh, yeah, and they're definitely. just like dominating the wave now. yep 100% there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a young surfer I think his name's Miramai I mm-hmm. could I could have get that wrong but he um, yeah he's like he's like a mix of Parco slash Jamie O'Brien and he's just eye-opening to watch right. you know yeah they've got some real talent there yeah and, and they're the nicest people yeah you know? it's super cool though it's, but it's a double-edged sword right because when the locals aren't into surfing that much the foreigners come along and get these trips done and like in empty waves and then when the local crew pay attention and start to work on it it's like a, it seems to take about a decade yes but then suddenly they're dominating it and it's their local spot and, oh, and the whole dynamics changed right yeah exactly like yeah. like i noticed back in the day it was always you always see photos of you know traveling surfers giving these boards to, yeah, the, exactly. to the locals going exactly. hey ha- have a surf yeah. and then fast forward 10 years and they, they're fucking threatening the bash and, oh, no, you no. know what i mean so yeah i i <laughs> that's exactly it's happening yeah, well it's look at look, look yeah. at look at um you know bali's a shit fight these days yeah um, local riders too like dominating well they from what i understand mm. um the local blokes you know, they get that some some foreigner can't really surf that well, can't yeah. get waves, so they paddle out. You know, call everyone off, and then I'll make goes. Yeah. You know, and it, you know, money talks, and yeah. and you know, they're locals there, so good on them. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's why you choose. It's a great go. irony of that moment, though, because you know, I, I remember doing the whole handing over the boards to the locals in Tahiti. Like actually, back when we did the comps back there, we were all like, you know. Yeah, let's be a nice yeah, guys yeah, yeah. and give these boards. And then let's it's get like, the photo. Know, exactly. And then you, you know you fast forward, and some of those guys over there are absolutely ripping. Oh our yeah, the Tahitians. Tahitians are like really fucking next level. I reckon. Like yeah, yeah. if they can get 
into a few of these other comps. I reckon they can do some serious damage, but they're definitely dominating chokes now. So yeah, this is a funny irony. I mean, reflecting back on the on the whole career and the life and 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 stuff in bodyboarding so far, like what's kind of like what's the moment of all moments for you where you look back on it and you and you do get that nostalgia and you're like, wow, that was like sick in your um, career. Can you pick pick a moment where you really kind of went, this is the best thing ever? Uh, it's going to sound really weird, and, and um, at the time it was pretty weird. We did a movement trip. And it was a round-the-world trip. <clears throat> and um, we went... They It was me, Mitch, I think Chris White, mm-hmm. um, me, Mitch, Hardy, Ben and Kingy mm-hmm. for movement. And uh, they said to us, oh, we're going to go... We're going to do this round-the-world trip. First first stop's in Dubai. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, Dubai? Like, yeah. I don't even know where this joint is. Yeah. And then, uh, anyway, so we went to this... Um, so yeah, it was for this wave pool, mm. and I'd never been on a wave pool before. Anyway, uh, so I didn't know what to expect. The fellas arrived earlier uh, earlier that day. I've, I've arrived um, alone. I've come through. This this guy's come out in a suit, um, no passport, nothing. He's just picked me up. We we get in the Mercedes. I'm sitting in this Mercedes, and he's like, "Oh, would you, is the air temperature right?" I'm like, "You fucking kidding!" Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> so anyway, I'm driving driving through. And uh, oh, and I had to go through Bahrain um, to get there. Okay. And I'd never been into the Middle East, and everyone's wearing, um, <laughs> you know, uh, dresses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm just big, going big where? Long robes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, where am I? Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, sure enough, I get there, get to the hotel, and it's just like they're like, oh, we'll take you to the room. And to take you to the room, you get on this gondola that goes through this yeah. fucking thing, and it's it's that place where it's got the tennis court on yeah, the top. Yeah, exactly. And um, I know. And anyway, we went and we we spent five days there. Didn't spend a dime. Um, it was just a crazy experience. Yeah. So like when I look back, I think to myself, like that was fucking weird. Yeah. That was random. <laughs> and it, you know, or we went to Easter Island on a um, on a. Uh, on a riptide experiment went yeah. to Easter Island it's like what the hell are we doing here yeah. but now at the, at the end of all this I look back and go fuck I'll probably never go there again Yeah, it was so random one of the funny stories I heard I just want to pick up on the wave pool one because wasn't this because Mitch was on that I don't know if he told me the story but basically they just got the new flow rider there and they wanted to get professionals in to demonstrate yeah. how good it could be to use and the funny thing was basically None of you had ever really ridden a flow rider before, and I heard that they're like in the first day, like in the first moments, it was like the biggest kooking. Oh, everybody kooked it on the first ones, and all these people are there to watch. And yeah, like... so they they <laughs> they shut it down. All the management came exactly, around, exactly. like all these sheiks. No, I don't know. I don't know if they were sheiks, but there was all these people. Yeah, and uh, and and mate, I'm pretty sure from the get go, Hardy put his foot in the. <laughs> put his foot on the edge of the pool and just got flipped. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I, I still, there's a couple of good stories I'll, I'll yeah, touch please, on there. Yeah, please, please. I, I swear to God, I almost seen Rawlins drown. So <laughs> so what happens is you're waiting your turn and here's Mitch and he's come unstuck. And what happens is the thing barrels, but yeah. there's a dry spot. Yeah. And usually you see him land in the dry spot and then get spat out. And I could see Mitch and his upper torso was getting lipped and his, his legs and that were on the dry spot and he was stuck there. It was pinning him. It was the funniest thing. And then it ended up finally spitting him. He was gasping for air. I remember Hub, Jeff Hub was on the trip. Yeah. I remember hearing someone squealing like a girl 
And I was going, what the hell is that? <laughs> and what happens is, is all the overflow of the water, it was like a legit issue. Yeah. Because the wall went down and it had this like little cavern in it. Yeah, right. And he was stuck in the cavern. Just screaming and he was for scream- help. Yeah, he was screaming like like he was going to die. Scream. <laughs> but like a girl. And it was, it was, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was so funny. Yeah, but it's. Um, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, oh, but yeah, the rip, uh, and and going into those riptide experiments, is, mm. those those were pretty cool. We did a couple of around the world trips and all that kind of jazz. And I guess one thing I'll say there is, it's pretty funny the behind the scenes stuff, like mm. how intense stuff got. Yeah, right. Like with some people. Please give me some stories. Oh, what have we got? Ben Player and Ben Player and Jethro. All oh, right. Ben Player and Kingy were having. But there was an old rivalry there, like that was always. Yeah, but that was more that. But that was never. This, I'm not talking about rivalries. I'm just talking about travel friction, oh. where just just tempers flare. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty. But yeah, that's. I, I guess it's pretty funny because the magazine will come out and <laughs> these glossy pages, and it's like, wow, this is a great trip. <laughs> and, then, and then you just think about the shit fight that was going on behind it, and you just think to yourself, I'd, I just, I'd love to document that sort of shit. Oh. I know, know, I know. I'm just trying to catch up on it now with the podcast to, to try and get deeper behind the scenes. But that, that is actually something I'm looking into is actually that. Is, is I'm actually, I may as well announce this in this podcast, but the next step for me, because, you know, you kind of get done with these, the interview thing, it's good, but there's only so many times you can talk to someone yeah. about their story. Yes. But the thing I'm definitely going to be looking at probably this year into next is grabbing those riptides and talking to the people who were on that trip to get that behind the scenes and yeah, like yeah. find out like what was really going on behind this story back in 1997 or 98 yeah, or, yeah. you know whenever you did that because those those experiments were amazing trips right those were pretty elaborate too there were some sick stories there I mean you guys did some I never got the privilege to go on one but you guys got some sick trips there yeah those were actually those for me were like the pinnacle yes of um of 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 my sport for me at the time was getting on the experiments yeah um and uh but yeah they, they were they were amazing you yeah know? and but they also had some amazing behind the scenes stories you know that's great and which which um which i'm guessing the, the listeners they all want to hear that kind of stuff you no know? but we'll come back to it i'm, I'm definitely yeah. coming back to those trips so i reckon um the lights faded on us I reckon we've got... I can't even see the number, but I reckon we're at 40 minutes, which is usually a great podcast right. length. Good stuff. Thanks for sitting down. Thanks for taking the time. No worries, Finally mate. gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's good. We'll, I reckon we'll check back in on some experiment stories in the future. Yep. Too easy. Appreciate Legend. the uh, appreciate the uh, the time, the valuable time. No worries. Is there any shout-outs you want to give to anyone before we kind of wrap it up? Anyone you want to kind of pay... pay any respect oh any well obviously obviously this isn't even a fucking sponsor promo fucking Shane and Shane and Mark sure. from Nomad Boards because sure. you know I've been with them yeah like almost 20 years and yep. they've pretty much given me everything I've I've um I've had through epic. the ups and downs so epic big shout out 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 there yeah and, great um, and yeah and, and I guess Roach for Roach for raising the bar the, un- the untouchable bar that was never achieved yep but it um, got me, gave me some good times along the way. Cool. I'm interviewing Shane next week, so I'll see what he has to say about yeah. the contract negotiations. Yeah, 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 that'll be interesting. <laughs> Thanks, mate. The Podcast.